Alright. Now, this is a mic test. I don't know about you, but I'm testing my mic. Want me to do a uh, intro for us? You're listening to Blue Yonder with your hosts, Jim Jones, and introducing Aaron Hubbard. Everybody, welcome to episode fifty-eight of Blue Yonder. I'm Jim Jones, and I'm Aaron Hubbard. You can find us at BaldMove.com. We have yeah. another fantastic show. I don't know about you, but I am pumped, hyped uh, for this show. Midway through a steroid cycle, <laughs> and sitting on the toilet. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to succeed in IT without really trying. That's how I made it. <laughs> That's how I made it too. <laughs> We're also going to be talking about geek anti-intellectualism. Ooh. But of course, we always start stop off with... Stop with the smart talk, man. The bullshit. Okay, let's let's stop with it. Let's go into bullshit. Oh, we're going to go right into the retardation. Yeah, we'll, we'll start off by if saying... You, you want to mainline on the retardation? You hit up our site FAQ. Baldmove.com. There's yeah. a link at the top that says FAQ. It's not even a fact. That's how retarded it is. It's actually there's a couple of questions we've been asked. See, I always call these facus. Facus. Yeah, baldmove.com slash facu. Facu listener. <laughs> uh, it's uh, a collection of I like to call it bald move lore. And you can yeah, yeah. there's like a bald move site and or a fac and bald there's a, page, a blue uh, yonder. Blue yep. If you want to know what the hell we're talking about, we're talking about Batman can't grow corn. If you want to know what we're talking about when we talk about uh, our top seven lists. All those inside jokes go there, and we're going to keep that as a chronology, as a as an ever building lore, as a <laughs> as a Tolkienian similarian. <laughs> yeah, baldmove.com slash similarian is totally different. Don't no, go yeah. there. Right, right, right. Don't go there. Um, what about you? Got some? I see you've got some other bullshit. You've got plenty of other all right. Bullshit. I got some here. I have resisted the allure of this game. For a long time. Mm. But Chrome, because we talked about this back in one cast, how you were annoyed that Chrome was pushing his app store. Well, I noticed that they are uh, giving Angry Birds away for free. Ooh. And I couldn't resist that siren call. I had to get in there and see what everybody's talking about. Sure. And I'm addicted to this fucking game. No, you're a dick, all right. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, it's my now bejeweled type on the couch. I'm just kind of dicking around watching TV. I'm playing this game. Yeah. Is Angry Birds the best game since Tetris? <laughs> now, I know now like, that is a bald move. I don't want to say that. that it's the best video game or anything, but I'm talking about like the way Tetris was a pure game in the sense that it had simple mechanics, it was accessible. Your mom, your dad, your sister, everybody wanted to play it, especially mm. your sister. Especially my mom. My mom loves Tetris. Is Angry Birds the best game of its type? A pure, it's because it's basically pure physics. You pull the bird back on the little slingshot, well, uh-huh. you release it into the fortress of pigs, and chaos ensues. I don't, I don't think this is a new type of game. I mean, if you're what? looking at stuff, stuff like Worms, is basically the same principle. It's all about physics, like putting a certain amount of energy into the shot and letting it... No, you can't talk about worms without talking about Scorched Earth. Yeah, sure. It's an artillery game. This is different in that, number one, it's not like, you know, multiplayer, player Mm -hmm. versus player. But it's also, I think it's even more pure because instead of, you know, entering angles and shot powers, you actually have physical control over the slingshot. How far you pull the bird back and when you release it, that's the angle it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And you got the different type of, you know, um, construction materials. There's glass, there's wood, there's stone that these pigs build their houses out of. And you got different pigs. birds to attack different types. It's fucking pigs. They need to learn to build their houses out of bricks. Didn't I, they learn anything <laughs> they learned from the nothing. goddamn wolf? Obviously not. But, <laughs> but they, I mean, the other thing is that these... Like, the later stages are damn near Rube Goldbergian devices where you've got to ricochet birds off and do them at precise order. And 
you also get rewarded by using fewer birds rather than mm. all your birds. You get bonus points for the ones left I got over. I a couple birds for you. Do you? <laughs> yeah. One on each hand? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that it's a fantastic game. Now, you've not played it. I've never played this. Defend no. this premise. It's the most popular game in the world right now. It doesn't interest me. Why? I just because, I'm, I'm okay, a good, I can uh, tell would you why. would you agree with the fact that I'm a good friend of yours? It, man, don't push your luck. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's okay, a qualified yes. yes. I mean, would 60, you say, 68 weeks in and I see you every week? Yeah, I'd say get, so. The axe getting a little thin. <laughs> would you say that I've got reasonable judgment on pop culture and games? Sure, sure. I'm telling you that this is the mo- the most fun I've had as a pure game experience since Tetris. And you're not intrigued why? I don't buy the fun. I just don't see how it's more fun. Here's, here's what I have. I have Bejeweled, right? You have Bejeweled. Bejeweled is your Bejeweled crack. Is, it's yes. your heroin. Bejeweled it's your is, everything. is my couch game, like you were saying. While okay. you're sitting there doing nothing, Bejeweled fills okay. that slot for me. All right. And I've played over 400 hours of Bejeweled, according to my iPhone. <laughs> Which is, I know, obscene. Uh-huh. So I have that part of my life filled up with something else. I don't need Angry Birds. Hmm. I'm sure Angry Birds is great. I'm sure it is, but I just don't need it. All right. I've got I've got heroin instead of meth. It's a free game. Just play for five minutes. That's all I ask. <laughs> I'll, I'll try it. I've seen it played. I you mean, I just saw you playing Chrome it in Chrome on your Apple Mac thing and <laughs> or your iPhone. Can't you get a Chrome for iPhone? No. no. All right. No. It's pretty fun. I'm just saying you ought to try it. And it's a free download if you got Chrome. You open a new blank tab. It's right there in your face. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is I got Infamous 2. We mm. are big fans of the original Infamous. I liked it a lot. Um, it's like probably the most fun open sandbox type game that I've played. Infamous 2 is awesome for this reason. Because I thought Infamous was kind of tedious until I got the uh, gr- uh, rail grinding power. Oh, and until yeah, I got yeah. the la- levitation abilities. That replenishes your... Uh... Oh, oh, you're just saying as far as just moving around. Just for getting around, around the yeah. goddamn city. Yeah. Well, you start off the game with levitation and rail grinding. Nice. Yeah, that, that makes it way better. You've got uh, a fully powered, like, um, what do they call that? Atomic drop or the electroshock drop where you can uh, yeah, drop off... And you'd like detonate like a TNT explosion. Mm-hmm, and yeah. you've got fully powered up grenades and a decent power of shock ability. So you're basically like you were at the end melee. of the first game. You don't have the calling down the lightning, <laughs> the, the helix storm. Sure. You don't have um, like the higher level electrical powers where it changes off of people and stuff like that. You don't have mm-hmm. the missile. But yeah, you basically start off fairly powerful. And you've got a much mm-hmm. higher upgraded melee attack because you've got the amplifier... You've seen it, and it like looks like an electrical tuning fork that you beat the shit out of people with. <laughs> okay. So just getting around the city is a lot more fun. I'm all, I'm almost having as much fun as I did at the very beginning of the game. Just going in, like you can stop random muggings, and the bad guy. This take t- t- this takes place in like a post Katrina New Orleans called New Maria. Really, it's a southern town on a bayou. It is very much New Orleans. Hmm. Yeah. And they even talked about post-hurricane flooding and, like, some of the cutscenes and stuff. The bad guys are these fucking inbred rednecks, and they talk <laughs> like it. And it's so much fun to drop in a crowd of these, you got pretty mouth, boy, <laughs> motherfuckers, and lay down the law. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so satisfying. It's I'm loving it. It's fun to call down some lightning on them, man. Oh, I mean, I wish I had that power. Yeah, when I you wish get I had it, that. So I'm like an hour or two in the game, and I'm loving it. It's really good. I got to recommend. If you liked Infamous at all, it's basically more of Infamous. <laughs> get, yeah, <laughs> With, awesome. And they got this really cool thing where you can do custom mission types, or you can design a mission, publish yeah. it to the internet, and now mm-hmm. like all the random encounters are basically you can choose whether they're like in game scripted or something off the internet. You can a- agree to that. Yeah. And like I'm really happy with like how varied the like, side quests are. I want to say, was it Stafa who was mentioning in our forums that all the the user created missions right now are pretty much crap because they're all I, brand I don't know because I got into it like a week after the game release. And oh, I okay. haven't played one that's I've only played one or two, and it's because mm-hmm. like, I've been sticking to the plot forwarding missions. Sure, 
Um, and there's a lot so of so do these just pop up while you're playing the game, or just is there a special like, menu? Just like well, the first time it's offered to you, you have to agree to a, oh, you, a like okay. some sort of like, hey, this is offline content. Yeah, we don't control the experience. If someone you're going to ma- see a lot of penises. If, you, if you're forced <laughs> to rape a person, then oh god, you know, uh, we're not responsible. But yeah, kind of something like that. Kind of gotcha. similar to like you know, online interactions are not approved by the ESRB. Yeah, but the but the missions are seamlessly integrated yeah. into the game. They're just like before. We'd have there. There's good. There's evil. There's neutral. Huh. Yeah. The other thing is the game is much more exacting on the karma. Like, um, if you injure a civilian during your brawl, you it it it, it it's a karmic hit. Hmm. Whereas before, the game seemed to be a lot more looser. To like, as long as you didn't kill anybody, karate. yeah, cor- yeah. Uh, collateral damage. The other thing is, so I'm playing the game as good. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this one side mission. You walk across. You know those dudes like the the drum on on um, five gallon buckets for money. <laughs> Sure, why not? Like, you're going by this one, dude, and, like, Zeke, your red, you're kind of like the fat Elvis sidekick, yeah, yeah. says, hey, man, I heard one of them drummers. It's like, I hate them guys. Can you, like, beat them up anytime you see one? <laughs> and it becomes a recurring right. evil mission. Mm-hmm. Every time you see one of these, or you come within audio range of these drummers, it appears as, like, a red music note on your map. <laughs> and uh, if you go and beat the shit out of them, it gives you evil karma. Nice. I'm beating the shit out of – I'm playing as a good guy that beats the shit out of every drummer <laughs> in New Maria. Nice. Because I can't stand them sons of bitches. And sure. I, my thing is like if they just show up on my map, they get a free pass. But if I see them, <laughs> if they cross my visual path, I am regulating. <laughs> awesome. Warren G style. You need to create a user mission to just – like play good and beat the shit out of everyone. I'm, all I'm the seeing drummers. if it's possible. If I yeah. can get to the highest paragon level by still beating, dispensing the rough street justice to the street drummers. <laughs> because the other thing is like the new like um, there's a very Batman Arkham Asylum vibe to the combat because you can uh, well, you can build up a back combo. To the vigilantism that we talked ah. about earlier. Yeah. You can build up this combo and then hit once you charge, you hit triangle to le- to release an ultra devastating power. Mm-hmm. I find I'm saving the triangles for the drummers. They're sitting there with their sunglasses <laughs> on, beating the hell out of this drum. And I just go up, boom, <laughs> and end them. So yeah, I'm playing as awesome. a basically good guy that's against street drummers. Sounds like you're having fun. I'm having a, a blast. Any more bullshit? Because I got uh, one more that I could possibly talk about. No, I have no bullshit. So all right, bring it. What's our um all right. X Men first contact. I'm way too first, late to First class. First class. <laughs> Star Trek first contact. Star Trek. You know first where the class. board come and invade the Marvel Universe. I, they both have Patrick Stewart, so yeah, I, you get, you get the, off the, the hook there. It's, it's very blurred. The line yeah. is very blurred. But, I, but um, I thought he drew the line, didn't he? <laughs> it was like, Yeah. At least he told us where it was supposed to be drawn. <laughs> this far no further. But we didn't respect that. <laughs> Not at all. But but he broke his little shapes too. So anyway, X Men First Class. I'm I'm way too late to give a review. It's better than I expected. I'm waiting because I thought Thor and X Men First Class were going to suck, and Green Lantern, and I thought Captain America was hmm. going to rule. So far, Thor X Men First Class better than I expected. Uh-huh. I'm still hoping that the Green Lantern is going to suck. I'm worried though. Ho- why are you hoping that the Green Lantern will suck? Because I don't Just like to Ryan. Fulfill Reynolds. your prophecy. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Okay. And and I'm kind of worried that now maybe Captain America because there can't be three superhero movies that are good. I don't know. The anyway, I don't want to talk about anything about X Men First Class except for this. This movie breaks the degrees of separation to Kevin Bacon wide open because you got what? a whole generation of new hot up and coming stars. Like, you know, uh, Michael Fassbender or whatever. Fassbender. Aspender. Aspender. He's the last Aspender. You got James McAvoy, Jennifer Lawrence. They're co-starring with Kevin Bacon. Oh, it ties into everyone. And, like, there's so many names in this movie and up-and-coming stars and yeah. people that star in... Like, because now there's, like, two of the X-Men guys were from t- fucking Twilight. Mm-hmm. So that whole cast is being involved. Dude, you realize... The degrees of separation X... This is, yeah. like, it's been blown wide open. And not there's only... There's so many first degrees to Kevin Bacon now <laughs> and new young hot talent. That's what I'm saying. That A hundred years from now, people are still going to have six degrees. To Kevin Bacon. If that. St- yeah, maybe a couple. Every person on the planet is going to be a third degree separation from Bacon if they're lucky. Exactly. 
Exactly. Like, I wonder what the degree of separation for me is. I wonder because, how far back in time you can go. Because here's the thing. Like, I am first cousins with John Mellencamp. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not where's bragging. Your, where's your Mellencamp money? Come on. I, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that that's the truth. I, I guarantee that he has run... He has been in a, a film or a cameo somewhere with somebody. Yeah. I bet I'm less than yeah. six degrees separation from Bacon. Uh, and which means and I Ron am too. Hubbard, which means, yeah, like if I'm five On degrees, podcast, you're six degrees. Yeah. And if you're a listener, huh. you're no better. You're no worse than <laughs> you're, seven. Yeah. Hold your head up high, listeners. <laughs> On that seventh degree. I wonder if you can go all the way back to the beginning of film, the beginning of cinema, and connect. And here's the to thing: Kevin Bacon. how fucking old is Kevin Bacon? Because in this movie, he starts off playing an older guy, and I'm like, uh, finally, the man's going to act his age. <laughs> but then they, like, as they start off in the 40s during World War II, they jump towards mm-hmm. the 60s, and he looks like a 30 year old. <laughs> when is this man going to fucking age? Never. Never. I'm telling you, like, we could be playing this game, as you said, 100 years from now. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Easily. Easily. He might still be alive 100 years from now to, to act in more movies. So that exhausts 100% of my bullshit. All right. Let's cut the bullshit. Let's get to the meat. All right. Cut that meat. Let's cut the meat now. Is it your meat or my meat? I'm glad we're not calling this cheese. Uh, <laughs> let's go with your meat first, because since I announced it first. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I read an article, an article. interesting one, an article on InfoWorld. Mm. Uh, I try to stay off InfoWorld, but this was an interesting one. It's called How to Succeed in IT Without Really Trying. Ooh. And he basically said there's two ways to be good and well-paid in IT. One is to actually know your shit and to be the IT all-conquering ninja that can you know, go mm. around and fix the problem instantaneously and handle your business and carry everybody and be, be Hogan and all the motherfucking heroes, too. The other is to be very mediocre, deferring to your smarter types, uh, calling in consultants, basically, you know, uh, doing just enough, answering a couple emails, doing Uh some troubleshoot, just doing just enough that people think you're doing your job but not actually being successful at it. And he's like, if you do the first path, you will have more and more and more and more and more things dumped on you until you basically your back breaks. Huh. And if you do the second path, your workload will never increase because you're actually not doing any useful work other than facilitating other people that are smarter than you doing your work. And I started thinking that this is actually kind of true to my experience because I've been on both ends. I've been a um I've been an hourly worker or a salaried worker at a at a shop or at a business that's not an IT business and I've been a you know hired gun consultant at a at a at a body shop and I kind of got that feeling that when I walked in as a consultant at some of these places that the people that were running the shop that I was consulting for had no freaking clue what they were doing. They <laughs> uh, knew to dial up this consulting agency and bring them in and have them set up something, and they could maybe maintain or do tier one type support. Hmm. Otherwise, you th- why would you need a consulting company? <laughs> but yeah, so like, what do you think of that? Um, I mean, I feel like I go through phases with this where I do my goddamn best. Right. At my job, and I can get uh, tons and tons of stuff done. Um, but but the work is endless, right? I mean, there's always something more to do, so it's not like you can ever finish it. Um, and then I go through phases where eh, it's like off a little bit, and the amount of work is still the same. Not not my output, but the the input of work is still the same. Right. You know? So I mean, I can I can see why a lot of people would slack off. I think it comes down to kind of like a personal pride thing almost mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like I'm a slacker. Right. Usually. Right. Sometimes I don't care. Right. <laughs> but most of the time I want to feel like I'm I'm providing value or doing doing a lot of work, getting things done. Um and I feel like most people should feel that way. Mhm. So I'm kind of against what he's saying here. I don't think it it might pay in the terms of, okay, you're not going to lose your job. You're not going to get paid less than the guy who's doing tons and tons of work at a really high efficiency. But personally, I want to be doing the best work I can 
most of the time. All right. Well, the, 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 to illustrate the pitfall that you can fall in uh, as the, like, because I always consider myself like a special forces, IT special forces. Um, right. and wherever I've been, it's like when shit goes wrong or someone needs to get something done right away, they always call on me. And they've, um, I, I kind of identified with this parable that this uh, Paul um, Venezia of InfoWorld talked about in his article, or he said, um, this, he, he put this parable to describe the problem. So the passenger pr- train breaks down in the middle of nowhere, where a delegation of railroad VIP with a vi- delegation of railroad vi- VIPs on board, including the president of the company. The locomotive simply won't start and everyone is stranded. However, the president knows a passenger on the train was one of the designers of the locomotive and pleads with the man to help fix the problem and get the train back underway. The engineer says, sure, it'll cost you $10,000. So (laughs) desperate for a solution, the president agrees. The engineer then takes the hammer, walks up to the side of the locomotive, inspects a few specific areas, and suddenly swings the tool against the steel panel. And the locomotive immediately springs to life. The president runs over, and instead of being pleased that the train is running again, he screams, $10,000? Why in the world would I pay you $10,000 just to hit the thing with a hammer? And the engineer replies, I threw in the hit with the hammer for free, knowing where to hit it costs $10,000. Yeah, that's that's true. I found that exact same experience. Like, people do not want to pay for quality and hard-earned knowledge. Mm -hmm. They'd rather pay for fucking amateurs to grope around and try to the hard way reinvent the wheel or slam their head against the wall rather than have a professional oh, come yeah. in there and just like, okay, here's what you need to do and bang it out really quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is more valuable having someone do something very rapidly and make it look easy or hire some amateur to make a easy thing look hard. Uh, so you got to pay the, the pro a lot. You got to pay the amateur. Well, very it's almost little. like the Scotty principle. Like quote him twice as twice yeah. as much time, and then they'll look like a genius. Yes, it's done immediately. Yes, because you get nothing but. I think this is a very real phenomenon that if you are excellent at your job and you're able to quickly and uh, accurately figure things out, people are going to not going to see the value of your labor. They, they don't understand it was that. Easy. They don't understand that it took you five years of familiarity with the system to be able to be in a position. And they're paying for all of that trial and error yeah. and all that sweat to get things it's done R&D rapidly. It's R&D cost, right? Exactly. It's what IBM pays to research the next database schema or whatever they're doing. Right. It's everything that leads up to it. I've, Yeah, companies don't see the value in that. They don't understand. But on the other hand, there's also a – a room for a kind of a, a, a jack of all trades that knows just enough to know the professional, the right professional to call in. Because that's another thing. You can get a consult. There's all types of different consultants for all types of different stuff. <laughs> sure. And if you hire the, you know, screwdriver consultant when it's time to swing a hammer, mm-hmm. you are going to spend four or five times more. You're going to get screwed. And you're going to get screwed, <laughs> whether you need it or not. Yeah. Um, whereas you get the nail guy and you get hammered. That's a lot more fun. <laughs> But you said I'm saying like there's seems like there, you know, there's a lots of different ways to distinguish yourself. So I guess what's the optimum career path if you're going to give someone because you've been in the IT career for five plus years, mm-hmm. um, probably closer to ten plus years now, right? It's getting there, yeah. And I've been in for ten to fifteen. Mm-hmm. If you're going to give someone advice on how to conduct yourself as an IT professional to maximize your upward mobility, what mm-hmm. would it be? I would say it depends on whether or not you want to escape. Because I find people who do really maximize their skills and can be that guy swinging the hammer for $10,000, we've talked about this before, they can save the money, they can retire Mm -hmm. early, they can get Mm -hmm. out of the game. People who just want to coast by will be coasting by for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. They're they're the guys who are working until they're 75. Mm Mm-hmm. And can't ever retire. Right. So it depends on what you want to do. I mean, if you want to slack off, sure. Just d- don't be the guy who swings the hammer for ten grand. Be the be the guy who does the bare minimum and surfs the internet all day and whatever you want to do. Right. But you'll be doing that for the rest of your life. Right. There's there's no escape there. On the other hand, I guess my best advice would be if you're in IT field and you want to be the hired gun. Mm-hmm. then you need to be comfortable with moving jobs and careers frequently. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you get in this place and you are the lord and savior 
uh, within two years you'll be taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And you're not. And when you want to get a a bonus commiserate with your extra two years, of, <laughs> you, they're going to be like, "We've been paying you this rate to do the same job. Here's your three and a half percent. Be happy." Yeah. If you want to be that, you have to go because another company yeah. will recognize the fact like we don't have that skill set. We need that skill set. We need mm-hmm. you. But in two to three years, they're going to be in the exact same boat where, well, we paid you to do this. Even mm-hmm. though you've taken us here, we still paid you at the same rate. So why should we pay you more? I, I am living proof that that concept is true, right? I, I was – Exactly. Yes, my, my exact scenario right there. I right. was getting paid a certain amount to do my job. I never would have gotten – Beyond a 3% raise, that's the company motto is 3% right. raise. That's all you get. So I decided, eh, I'm going to quit. Right. And I quit. And I moved up to Chicago for six months, did some contracting work up there. I came back. I said, I- I'm still here. I still have the skills that I had six months ago. I'm not going to work for you for any less than X. Right. And they paid And you. X was literally 50% on top of what I was making. Uh-huh. And they paid it because yeah. I had the expertise, and because they they reevaluated how much I was they worth. They went at that six point. months without that expertise. Exactly. And they saw the actual value of it, and they tried to replace me with temps and contractors, and it didn't work. And it doesn't work because right. I had the built in knowledge, the the R and D knowledge that I had accrued over the last four years of working. So maybe there. how you really get ahead. Is you go on six months sabbaticals? <laughs> hey, it works. And then hold up your previous employer for extortion. Uh, <laughs> like all these headaches that you've had since I've gone, like all the yeah. fires that are on, yeah. I can put them out. Like, but yep. it's going to cost you <laughs> ten thousand. I'll swing that hammer. Why is it? Because like I hear about the executives, how they make three and four hundred dollars, three or four hundred times more than the average line worker. Oh, okay. Well, if you got a yeah. force multiplier in your company, it's IT. I mean, the yeah. reason that the yeah. United States for the last 30 years has increased its productivity is because of IT and automation and all that kind of stuff. So it's a good bet that the people you got in your company – and I see this all the time. We get a guy in, entry level. He's good. He advances to where he should be getting paid more, and we rather go through the pain of letting him go to another higher player mm-hmm. place and start off with another bonehead mm. than – retain that knowledge yeah it's why does why does why does why does management not see the value of competent embedded in the system knows it like the back of their hand professionals i don't know because they're they're on both sides of this they when they let someone like that go mm-hmm. they lose the expertise that that was built into that person mm-hmm. um and then they bring in someone else who likely they're going to pay the same that they paid that guy when he left but that person doesn't have the expertise. Right. And not only does the company lose the expertise and bring in someone without it, but the person who was let go also loses the benefit of having any expertise in that specific job. It is very per- mutual. It's yeah. total it's mutually beneficial for that person to stay there. Companies don't see the value of it. Because, because the- they don't they won't compensate you according to what you should be making with that R&D cost, that built-in knowledge cost. I never thought of it that way because the moment, the day you leave a company to go someplace else, mm-hmm. you are at the max value to that employer, but you, yeah. that employer is at the max value to you. Both, yeah. Because you've grown organically into that job. Hooks mm-hmm. into you, hooks into them. Yeah. Hmm. And, and unless you've done something to royally upset the workflow there, I... I don't know why they would ever want to let you go. Right. Well, I guess you want more money. And there's some people just Yeah, like, but they've been investing that money in I you know. the entire time. They've been paying you to learn their systems. Right. Why not now pay you the money that they've paid for R&D the whole time, you know? Like, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand why the IT thing is seen as such a cog in a wheel type of system. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you can't let people hold you ransom like and there's no one that's indispensable like that's one thing i preach in, sure. in my shop that nobody's irreplaceable like some people might, are <laughs> no no you might you might You'll be lose a 30 to 90 you. minutes of uh, a month or uh, days of pain but we will replace you it'd be really hard to replace my boss no because we've replaced so many people yeah. in the meantime that no one has the knowledge that he has in our but see what happens in that situation is the new guy comes in and says this is all bullshit i need to replace it all and the other people are like uh, oh, blank check do it we've spent the last 
two and a half years trying to do that. Really? With the knowledge that he has, and we still haven't completed that it. That man has got a good line on, you know, job security. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They actually don't like him very much. The people who <laughs> bought the company out don't like him because really? he, he says what's on his mind, and he'll tell them it's bullshit. Right. But they can't let him go. He right. just knows too much. Wow. So, so he's got, yeah, that privilege. Right. But, uh... Yeah, I, I don't know, man. They don't understand it. Yeah, it's it, like I said, I've seen that in both ways where, like, I've been there where I've been the Lord and Savior and I've been the mm. person that's taken for granted. And I kind of feel like I'm kind of in flux there now that where I'm halfway between, you know, like people still recognize that I have indispensable knowledge and it keeps their butts out of trouble in yeah. like areas A, B, and C. But then they think at X, Y, Z, we could do that for cheaper. Sure. And I can sure. feel the balance of tension. Like, so it's like, <laughs> I feel like, especially because I'm like an IT management, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm very much like an NFL coach where I've got three to five years where the players listen to me. After that, them and management both tune me out and I need to be looking for another job. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I hate the fact that IT is such a fucking uh, nomadic existence, but that mm-hmm. if you want to maximize your income, maximize your potential, you have to be counting on leaping jobs every two to three years. Yeah, because your existing place ain't going to give you the fucking job, the uh, uh, the increase you're looking for, and you deserve. I mean, I could talk about this stuff for hours, like how how IT is just messed up in general, or or the perception from the outside of IT is messed up. But I think we've talked about it long enough. Okay, we both bragged about our uh, expertise long enough. <laughs> so why don't we talk about geek anti intellectualism? Ah, uh, that sounds like a lot of thinking. That's a lot of thinking, man. Sounds like Put, a lot of nerd talk, listeners. To me. If you're not ready for it, tune out. Just just tune out. If you are not smart enough to follow us on this next topic, tune out. We don't want you. All right. So so lay on the theory of because I had some strong initial yeah, reactions to this to this topic. And I did too. Okay, here it is. There is a growing notion among geeks that a college is a waste of time. That, that more can be accomplished by spending your college years starting a business, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a growing notion that experts in general, and especially the ones at these colleges, are outdated, let's say. Um, so experts in general. You don't need them. You Why basically do I need don't an need expert? Them. I got Wikipedia. You've got, you've got, got Google crowd, search. You've got crowd wisdom. Yes. Is what they're saying. Right. Um, and and uh, what comes along with this is... There's a big backlash, I guess, against books lately, where where people don't understand the value of books because you have Wikipedia. What do I need to know? What do I need to read a book on World War II? I have Wikipedia. Yeah, why do I want to listen to one guy tell me his opinion of mm-hmm. research when I can read the research myself and peer like this crowdsource? Exactly. Yeah. And I want to call bullshit on this because I can edit Wikipedia. <laughs> and you're a fucking idiot. And I'm a fucking retard. <laughs> I can go in and I can say that E doesn't equal MC squared. We can say Batman doesn't grow corn. <laughs> yeah, I can go in and I can change mathematical formulas to suit my needs. Right. I, even if that doesn't stick, if enough people say that it's one way, it it will be that way on Wikipedia. And if you get into the bowels of Wikipedia, <laughs> like talked, the political yeah. arguments and stuff, it's very much the majority controls mm. fact. And yeah. that's scary as hell. Which they rely on, but for the most part, the majority is stupid. The majority is not the majority historians. is biased. The majority is you know like ignorant. They have like a, a breadth of knowledge, but very shallow knowledge. Well, that's that's part of it, right? That's the backlash against books is something that really irks me because books allow you the space to to deeply cover a topic to get across. Topics that ideas that are too complex to mm-hmm. express in a tweet, for instance. Mm-hmm. I can't tweet why the sky is blue. Mm-hmm. I, I, 140 characters is not gonna is not gonna do it when it comes to the bonding of chemicals. You know, right. it's just not gonna happen. So you need books. You need that format to where you can you can deeply explore a complex subject, and it's only gonna be. Through the research and the years and years of dedication, the R&D, like we said before, of these experts that can properly 
explain something so complex to you. Right. There's there's just no way to do that with crowd wisdom right. because not everyone can be an expert. Right. Um, well, what do you think? Because the guy that wrote this was Larry Sanger, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's the co-founder of Wikipedia, and mm-hmm. he's done a lot yeah. of like agitation against Wikipedia because, and a lot of people say it's uh, sour grapes. What do you think about the fact that they're saying that you know because because I, I saw the same article and a lot of people accused him of beating on a straw man. That like the average nerd is not against mm-hmm. anti-intellectualism, yeah. but he's like trying to say that. People are setting up a Wikipedia as the be in all end, like, you know, er source of knowledge. And geeks are like, no, but it's compared to, like, if you put Wikipedia against almost any other type of encyclopedia, it's going to be inherently superior. So there he's hmm. like, but he's like saying and taking that as like, well, that means all geeks are anti-intellectual because there's not a source for expert knowledge to trump mm-hmm. the crowdsourcing of knowledge in Wikipedia. Well, there's there's the distinction that he draws between anti-intellectualism and anti-authoritarianism, or, or, uh, I guess. Academic. Because uh, like, yeah, yeah, like I'm a geek that says there's very little use for college for a lot of not like i'm saying like for engineers sure mm-hmm. yeah for for physicists for physicists yeah, but absolutely for, but for like if if you're into i guess marketing or journalism or mm-hmm. it work where maybe we should maybe we should be treated like an engineering discipline that has degrees and and you have to pass certifications and all that kind of stuff but for the time being I think that four years of college would be much better spent spending on a open source project, doing actual work, building your portfolio. Because what I've mm-hmm. found is three or four years of experience where the IT work, people stop talking about degrees. It's about your portfolio and what you've yeah. done and yeah. what you've been able to accomplish. Sure. So yeah, and especially since I've been, as a guy who's hired people straight out of college, mm-hmm. the IT and CIS world in general is abysmal. Like, I've gotten people that have graduated from very well-respected IT programs, like at Purdue, Mm -hmm. um, and they have not known anything. Like, for example, like, like my interview questions, like, for the weeding out the complete jackasses are like, what, describe the phenomenon of garbage in, garbage out. They have no, and they look at me like, I, like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I expect someone with a... a computer sciences degree to at least be able to talk about the phenomenon of garbage in, garbage sure. out. If you give it crap data, you're going to get crap data. And they're <laughs> like, like oh, 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 I expect you to be familiar with the uh, variable, the archetypal variable names of foo, bar, and baz. Like, if you don't know <laughs> uh-huh, what the yeah. hell that means, you're telling me you've never read a paper on computer science yeah, or yeah. any sort of white paper on programming in general. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, if you can't tell me. Uh, describe in like a couple hundred words what or object-oriented programming means. You just yeah. f- you you've wasted that money that you've spent on education. And I see ninety percent of the people graduating from these with with degrees are cheaters, plagiarists, and have no idea of the understanding of what of how computer science works at a very fundamental level. Yeah, I mean. So yeah, I'm anti-academic because the academics are failing teaching these kids. Well, some some academics are. I mean, I I would not argue that you get a bad education at MIT, right. for instance. But the garbage in, garbage out principle actually applies in college as well. Some people That's true. go there and they don't apply themselves. Of course, they're not going to get a good education. Nicely done. <laughs> yeah. Nicely done. Bring that full circle, Jim. <laughs> but I, I so I don't think it's I don't think you can generalize and say that completely. But for the most part, you're probably right. It's. It's a difference between anti-academics, anti-authoritarianism, and anti-intellectualism. Right. What do you think about the other um, that people aren't – people consider themselves intellectual, but they still say that learning facts is not necessary? They're like, why would you need to learn a fact when okay. you can just learn it – we can look it up online? Let me tie that right back to what we just talked Go about. Go for it. Um, the R&D cost. There, there is a context – in which things can be analyzed in a more efficient manner mm-hmm. and, and more accurately analyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say, for instance, if you're trying to critically think about whether the Nazis were good or bad. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't know anything about the context, if you don't have those facts memorized, how are you ever going to judge that? Right. It, it just it doesn't follow that having 
a factually uh, having memorized facts does not add to your ability to analyze a situation. But that everything we do is memorized and learned facts. Well, it's just like they say, Our science lives are. Science at the forefront of science are standing on the backs of giants. Exactly. If you're not memorizing some facts, then you haven't learned anything, and you, you that foundation that, that that giant you're standing on doesn't exist. It's a midget, and you don't want to stand on the shoulders of a right. midget. Right. Like <laughs> like I can look up at any arbitrary date for a battle in a revolutionary war, sure. yeah. but that doesn't mean I'm a military historian and I've learned any relationship about all the battles. As a exactly. whole, and what that tells me about military tactics and stuff and like that, and I'm yeah. no John Connor. I'm yeah. not ready to lead the cyborg resistance. And and the mere and he mentions this in the article the 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 idea that you can look it up, right? And look up enough facts to make an informed opinion about something without right. actually memorizing any of those facts is insane. Right. That is absolutely insane. You have to at least short term memorize those facts. Right. Uh, you're going to take months and months, probably years of research to actually come to an informed opinion on something. And somewhere along the way, you've memorized a fact. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. You can't. That's the thing. Um, and we've we've proven this on Blue Yonder. When we because we, we, we get interested in a lot of things. I think what we sure. come to appreciate is when we try to take an authoritative take on something that we are interested in but have a very shallow knowledge, we look like idiots. Yes, absolutely. And that's one thing to do a podcast like that. But if you're actually <laughs> fucking in a business or mm. in some sort of industry or and God, that's the way you God live forbid, your life. You're making public policy. Yeah, and that's the way you look at like knowledge as being like some kind of shallow thing, you, mm. we're fucked. Because yeah. You know, you know, real life doesn't let you look up things on Google, you know, when they come at you. And, and you know, that's part of, I guess, you know, true wisdom is that collection of facts that builds the yes. foundation. Yes. So then you can, as other information comes in, you can base all of your previous knowledge and continue to grow and learn. Exactly. And that's what an expert is. He's seen it all. He's <laughs> yeah. seen, like, he's not going to be stymied when he has an amateur level argument against his position. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to destroy it and say, no, that's a side track that we've already been down. We need to keep moving forward. The, these people, and I get the feeling that most of these people are just slightly past college age. And, and that's me, too. I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not part of that demographic. But th- these people really strike me as kids who think they know it all. Right. Like, my dad thought I was when I was 17, and I decided I wanted to buy a brand new car. Right. Well, you're a fucking idiot, son, but uh-huh. you got to make this mistake because I did, too. I've been there. Well, right. guess what? He had memorized the fact that buying a brand new car when you're 17 is fucking stupid. Right. And he has the wisdom to tell me that. Right. But I've got to find it out for myself. That's what these people are. They're the little kids who don't understand that they don't know it all. Right. Oh, I totally agree on that. I totally agree on that. <laughs> okay. What do you think about the people that say, okay, well, maybe there's some facts about the hard sciences, physics and engineering and math. and uh-huh. But all these people, like, you know, artsy-fartsy, wanting to read literature and study uh, philosophy and history are just pointless facts that you can look up. Well, I'm not sure what exactly you mean there. Well, they're, they're saying, like, there's intellectual intellectualism, like, okay, I'll respect Stephen Hawking's because he knows a lot about his field. Mm-hmm. But some fucking, like, political science major, I'm still going to scorn because he's memorized a bunch of shit about history that I can just look up on Wikipedia. Yes, but it will take you years to look up everything that he already knows. Right. That's the thing. He he can process that that back knowledge into a viable political or a viable public policy before you can even look up half half of wikipedia article right you know right he understands all this um almost intuitively because he has that that context and that's a problem we've talked about this a lot with nerd culture is that they don't get some fundamental truths about the human nature Mm. okay Mm -hmm. Like universal truths and what the soft sciences, history and philosophy is all about the human condition and human nature and people get these degrees. Yeah, maybe they might not. They might not make as much as a web developer or a uh, network engineer. Maybe not as in demand. 
but they have a grounding on like if they've actually done the work and read this literature and read the philosophies and all that stuff, they're going to mm-hmm. know a lot more about the human condition, and that's valuable in and of itself in yeah. dealing with society and understanding why the world. You see, so many fucking nerds espouse this extreme libertarian position, mm-hmm. and if you're doing that. I have sympathy with you because that was me five, ten years ago, all right? <laughs> all right. But if you don't understand why the pure libertarian position is wrong, you're no better than the person that espouses a pure communist position or someone that longs for anarchy, pure anarchy, or a mm-hmm. benevolent dictatorship. Why doesn't a benevolent dictatorship work? Because people <laughs> aren't benevolent. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not going to understand that. Sure, sure. I, I think – the main problem I have with this particular outlook on intellectualism mm-hmm. is that if it takes hold, if enough people start believing this, that college is a waste of time, that these soft sciences or arts, whatever, are a waste of time, we're, we're going to lose that knowledge. We're going to lose the expertise that we do have to to just death. I mean, people are who know this stuff are going to mm-hmm. start dying off. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to take their place. Right. And history is doomed to repeat repeat itself. You know that that's what they say, and that's totally true. Especially when the the knowledge that we've accumulated is not valued. It's funny because you know we we both watched uh, Carl Sagan's Cosmos, and mm-hmm. at one point he talks about a whole episode about the Library of Alexandria. Yeah, and yeah. how that was destroyed through conquest. And he's like, you know, where would we be in science if we hadn't have lost that ancient wisdom? Like. And and the so-called ancients were a l- surprisingly sophisticated. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are burning the L- Library of Alexandria by choice and uh, by, like, taking it for granted. Mm-hmm. Like, every time we discount an expert, every time we, you know, talk about this crowdsourcing uh, populist bullshit, mm-hmm. we are dismantling it brick by brick. And I wonder what a thousand years from now – like if, if if we're going to go into a dark ages of our own creation, <laughs> voluntarily, so? I don't know. I mean, I kind of like post apocalyptic, you know, ideas about human nature. And <laughs> this is this is the book waiting to happen. Yeah, 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 waiting to happen. Yeah, but like it would be it would be kind of fitting that we would voluntarily subject ourselves into a dark age because we do reject intellectualism, and that would be repeating history. <laughs> yep. I uh, yeah, and I don't want to come down on this and say that I think we should invariably listen to anyone who espouses to be an expert on anything. Right, like any authority automatically must be obeyed and listened yes. as if it's fact. You can still I largely it. disagree with that, yeah. Right, right. I, I think some people um, – and I think we need a pool of experts to, to sort of <laughs> marshal – or not marshal, but uh, corral the people who are espousing to be experts, the ones who can actually say – Nine out of ten experts agree that this right. this other expert is a fucking idiot. Right, he's not really an expert. Right. So I think we need, if anything, more people becoming experts in more things. Right. Like I, I think we should. I, I almost think we shouldn't leave it up to crowdsourcing. It's crowdsourcing is great for jobs that need to be done. Like uh, Mechanical Turk with Amazon. That's yeah, fantastic. Right. Like taking surveys, wonderful. You can right. get a, a general thinking on the idea. But for specific knowledge, for mm-hmm. for real knowledge, mm-hmm. I think you'd need experts. And I think that a lot of this is internet warriorism because you see like – Yeah. You see fucking blowhards on message boards all the time quoting facts and stuff and dispute. And you can tell they're just one step ahead of each other on Google search. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. So yeah. it's like I sometimes think that like this is a manufactured problem because in the real world, when you're sitting in like policy rooms and boardrooms and stuff, their knowledge is valuable. Sure. But on the other hand, we also see in the real world. I mean, maybe I'm just cynical because I just got done finishing watching The Wire, and I <laughs> see that, and this kind of rings true to me in this fictional form that people that are really good and challenge the system or challenge authority are discarded 
mm-hmm. you know, and like this institution protects itself. And I see very real, like that's the reason our newspaper industry is in such bad shape because we've laid off all the people with yeah. like decades of experience living in our cities that know the politicians and know the networks mm-hmm. and can blow the lid on things and whistleblow. We're, we're sending these people packing. Yeah. And I actually not too long ago read an article about how, <laughs> I think it was a blog post about how, uh, <laughs> replacing journalists true journalists mm-hmm. with bloggers is not going to work no we, we are we are ditching the hundred plus years of institutionalized knowledge that we have on how to properly conduct ourselves in journalism properly right. report a story and find out facts we're discarding it in favor of random blogger x right with shallow takes on things yeah with that incomplete contextual knowledge that you can only get and we, As an expert. I can't remember what show we talked about this, that, like, yes, traditional journalism is a dinosaur, and sure. its business model is bad. But it's a damn shame that we're losing all of this hardcore journalism yeah. expertise. The, the we're medium, throwing away yeah. 100 years of intellectual wisdom mm-hmm. uh, of institutional wisdom yes. in favor of, oh, the internet's awesome, <laughs> and we don't have to pay for it like we do paper. That's the thing. The medium... Is right. a dinosaur. The journalists are not. Are not. The knowledge still doing is work. not. Yep, yep. Bring them into the internet age. Just just transfer their knowledge. Why don't we do that? I don't know because we're doomed to re- – history is doomed to repeat itself. Because we'd rather pay a college kid X $4 an hour to do it. All right. Are we – that's enough smart talk. That is. Our, uh, our listeners have all tuned out by now. I feel now. like I want to get like They're a sound, all surfing Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. I want to, they're, they're like, you know, doing the uh, – what's that the thing on um, – fuck. The <laughs> – shit. They got a made king of the hill. I feel like I've, I'm into uh, intellectualism in, in motion. Idiotocracy. Yeah, Daniel. Uh, Daniel's – uh, what? Craig? Craig? What? Daniel? Ferguson? <laughs> no, I know his name. Never mind. I don't care. But, like, I feel like they're off the watch, like, ow, you punch my nuts. or yeah, you know, ow, ow, my balls. Ow, my balls. Yeah. Or they're baiting. They're off <laughs> Go the away, baiting. Uh, shall we initiate the feedback sequence? Let's do it. Uh, we have some feedback from our old enemies, uh, personal arrogance. Our frenemies. Uh, our frenemies on um, we did a podcast segment on star wars with star trek time travel and they were mad jesse said how do you guys do a podcast on time travel and not even once mention the best time travel movie of all time time cop starring one john claude van damme <laughs> for shame that is all y- you got us y- yeah i can't you believe we did not cover in depth that scholarly take on time travel with the great <laughs> badass a tier yeah. two badass but yeah, still, yeah. all time great. He's on the, not the Ra- Mount Rushmore. What's the Mount Lessmore <laughs> version of badasses? Mount Rushmore. He's there with the Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the Chuck Norris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, out, it's Mount <laughs> Mushless. I like that better. Um, Rushless. And, and this is just after I watched the Quest. Have you seen the Quest? I haven't seen the Quest. Man, I remember when that came out. It was ages ago. But the Quest is exactly like Bloodsport. Really? Like, no joke, it is a copy one-to-one of Bloodsport. He was just like, all right, this is my last hurrah. It's the mid-90s. I'm going out now. I need to just... Well, had John Clan... Yeah, yeah. Had JCVD get out. Yeah, man. Wow. And it was an exact clone of Bloodsport. Wow. But I, yeah, I'm sorry, we we missed Time Cop. But honestly, I'm not familiar enough with the lore of Time Cop to uh, tell you how it relates to time travel exactly. Like I couldn't tell you uh, what paradoxes there are, uh-huh. but I'm sure they're I'm sure they're there. Right. I think he impregnates his mother or something at some point. <laughs> we got some backhanded compliment uh, for ex- episode 67, Tell the Little Dogs, which I actually enjoyed <laughs> I because did too. we put that in the cat like the juice cistern four or five weeks, and then like I yeah. forgot all about it. I Let was it writing. I was writing the transcript as I was listening to it, and I yeah. was entertained thoroughly because I'd forgotten about it. We were drunk when we were casting anyway. <laughs> as usual. And Darth Paxis was equally impressed. He said, I'll be honest and say I wasn't expecting much from this episode. That's what we want from you <laughs> listeners. Lower your expectations. Yep. Lower your guards. Yep. Let us sneak in there and then pow! But that he was pleasantly surprised. You guys did a good job with the evergreen. Teledildonics indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you for listening, Darth Paxis. Um, it wouldn't be a feedback segment if we didn't cover the Dawn. 
That's true. Although he's requesting something a little odd here. I don't know if I can actually do it. Well, he wants it in a Polish accent. What the uh, f- a Polish accent? What Polish. the hell is a Polish accent? Is that like someone uh, is huffed like nail polish remover. I think so. Yeah. All right. So no, uh, uh, Polish accent. I, I think it's Russian without the vodka, right? Right. So I don't think either of us can do that tonight. <laughs> no, uh, honestly, I can't. I don't even know what Polish sounds like. Yeah, like I want to do like a Russian Jewish accent. If you can do it, do it, because I'm sure he'll love it. There are some days when I see old person. This that's not right. <laughs> That's not right, right? I don't know, man. Maybe we read this one straight. All right, here's my Polish accent. Because I'm at least as much Polish as I am German. Which is to say 0%. No, that's not true. I'm half, I'm 50% German. So you're 50% German and 50% Polish? No, like 25% Polak. You like said you're at least as much as you are German. Okay. Uh, I'm at most as much. <laughs> okay. So there are some days where I see an old person driving their electronic wheelchair down the road as if it's their car. They're taking up an entire lane, slowing down traffic. It's not safe, and I'm sure it's – I'm not sure if it's legal too. People need to keep an eye out on Grandpa and make sure he doesn't leave the house. Stop. Where the fuck does he live? Dude, come on. No, I've never seen an old people – Back in our hometown, it wasn't a wheelchair, but this old dude used to ride a 10-speed bicycle. I I do that. Down State Road 144. Huffing up the hills at three miles an hour and the traffic's going 55. In the middle of a lane? In the middle of a lane. It's a one lane. There's some asshole out here on Highway highway 40, US 40, the National Road. Uh Uh-huh. It's it's they got like marked damn near across the country. It's it's a huge fucking four lane highway, and there's a giant breakdown lane, right? Uh-huh. So if you want if you wanted to ride a bicycle safely, mm-hmm. there's a huge fucking breakdown lane that's not in the lane of traffic. This asshole rides in the middle of the slow lane defiantly. <laughs> he was going slow, right? I've seen people on drunk scooters mm, yeah, yeah. i've seen people on the uh uh hover rounds <laughs> i've See, seen i've never seen that i've seen this on highways man that blows my mind i've never I've, seen it on nah. like a 465 or an interstate because like <laughs> have you noticed that like when you get on 465 or 70 there's like a sign that says look assholes this is for big people vehicles. Uh, this is not for skateboards. This is not for bicycles. Go-karts. This is not for go-karts. This is for you got to be able to read the, the the hoof it if you're on this road. Have yeah. you seen those things? No, There's I like a little red caution sign. Hmm. Or it's a, it's a white sign with red letters saying like no pedestrians, no unmotorized vehicles, blah blah blah. Hmm. No. Yeah, if you're taking a hover around <laughs> If you're Stephen Hawking's and you're on any sort of interstate or state highway, you need – I don't know. Either open a fucking wormhole yeah. or get the fuck off the road. Get the fuck out of the road. It's just not safe, man. Yeah. Because I'd like – I'll run your ass over and not even try. I won't take pleasure out of it. I'll just be cruising around, listening to a podcast, listening oh. to, uh, you know, blue, uh, I'll be listening to Power Play. Sure, and I'll be laughing. I'll be laughing so hard that I don't. And there'll be tears in my eyes. I'll be blurry, and I don't see this thing moving five miles an hour, and I'm moving seven. I'll run over Grandpa. I don't want to run over your Grandpa, man. Keep Grandpa off the streets. <laughs> I've never seen Grandpa on the road. I've seen That's Grandpa. All I'm saying. Grandpa's in the road all the time. He needs to get the fuck out of the road. And all Grandma right. too. I'm equal opportunity. Fine, fine. Get him out of the road. Get everyone off the road. As far as I'm concerned. Yep. All right. Anyway, is that about good, do it for the you show? You got any good Polish jokes? Uh, no. I don't really either. I used to have one. Something about an airplane and they jump out. I don't know, man. I got one that, like uh, so. There's a contractor talking to. We should probably save these actually for the the Blue Yonder Public Outline show. Did you see? <laughs> did you see the comments in there? No. They what? want us to do some racist jokes. We should save the Polak jokes for the. Well, we've actually got traffic on that. Oh yeah, man. Oh my god. The listeners love it. Yeah, if you guys go to uh, go to our forums and check out episode <laughs> sixty six, I, I think it was. Yeah. Um. Well, shit. We'll post a link to it in this episode too. But you can actually go in and edit a Google Doc to this to public. make a public outline. For, our for show. one of our shows. All we're, right. Eventually, we're going to take this show and just 
run with it. Whatever the audience uh, add wants the outline to hear. what episode number you want us to do. Do you want us to save it to 100? Do you want us to do it like a 75? No, what? no, that's our discretion. They get everything else. Oh, they can. Uh, we get to decide if we ever do. We can't. <laughs> we can't stop them from putting suggestions in there. I'm just saying. We can't stop you from putting anything. Put anything you want in there. Wow, that is a bald move, Jim. Right? I know. I like uh, it. Other ways they can leave feedback. Forums.baldmove.com. If you want to have a conversation with us and get, like, you know, we're we're tracking, like, all the PSN, the PSN network hacks. All the all hacks. The, yeah. Like, that's what, something we want to talk about maybe next next week is, like, the why all the hacker world has gone batshit Crazy. insane. Yeah. Because, like, it's, like, you know, like, DEFCON 5 on the hacker scale right now. Yeah. Um, so we're covering that, and we got a lot of cool stuff going on in our forums. Uh, Blue Yonder at baldmove.com if you want to leave us overt feedback to that be we read on the show. Read on the show, just like we did. If you want to show us love, go to facebook.com slash baldmove and like our page. We love seeing that like counter go up. Yeah, like it or, or uh, share the link that we post in. To our podcast. Yeah, if like, you're already like a fan, link, yeah. if you're already a fan and you see us a, a cast where we're behaving ourselves, we're not talking about, like, you know, we're not telling Polak jokes or being anti-intellectual, <laughs> go ahead and share that link out with all your friends and family. We'd love that. Definitely. Uh, if you're on Twitter at baldmove.com, follow us. Oh, we'd love that. Yeah, and retweet the, the stuff that we tweet. Um, if you l- hit our uh, iTunes link, give us a five-star review. Give oh, us a text yeah. review. We'd like to see that. And... Uh, the other thing you could do is to subscribe to our cast. We don't care if you mm-hmm. listen to it, but if you're on iTunes, subscribe. <laughs> we want to get a subscription. We want to get We're our all hits about up. the artificial numbers here. Yeah. We want to inflate our listener count. We like to juke the stats. <laughs> We're like the chief of police of Baltimore, yeah. Maryland. Take those 13 murders and put them somewhere Yeah, else. turn them into aggravated assaults. <laughs> Take those rapes and turn them into batteries. We, yeah, we're all yeah, about yeah. pumping up. So, like, subscribe to that stuff. I don't care if you listen to it. Your iTunes will download it, and it'll, it'll, it'll turn our turnstiles, and it'll make our hearts glow. <laughs> that's that's what oh, makes God. Blue Yonder. It's malt liquor and positive feedback from y'all. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. That's it. This podcast is over. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> Finn. With Finn. that said, until next time, I'm Jim Jones. Ooh, what I may run over, Joe. <laughs>